Church family, we're going to continue worshiping by reading God's Word together. And if you have a copy of the Scriptures, I hope you'll join me in Colossians chapter 1. And while you're joining me there, let me go ahead and make an announcement or reiterate the information we shared via email this past week. Last Monday, Mayor Cooper moved the city of Nashville to stage three of the reopening plan. And that allows us as a church campus to begin hosting in-person worship services. So on Sunday, July 5th, we're going to meet for the first time in four months for worship together. We're going to have services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Now, part of the mayor's plan for reopening calls for small venues to limit their capacity to 50%. So we have removed a lot of the chairs in the worship center to make that a simple and straightforward process. There are 125 chairs in the worship center right now. And as services, we'll have two services at 9 a.m. and 11. There'll be 125 chairs in each of those. We're going to send out an email to the church tomorrow asking you to RSVP if you plan to attend one of those services so that we can space those out and plan accordingly. We're going to continue to abide by those guidelines and recommendations, not only from the local health department, but other wise counsel. We will not be handing out bulletins. And I know that's sad for many of us, but we'll make sure all the information is on social media that you need available to you and via email. We're not going to be collecting offering baskets. Uh, we're also not going to be encouraging you, or should I say, we're going to discourage you from shaking hands, from even fist bumping, and definitely from hugging. It sounds so weird to say that as the people of God who are supposed to love one another. You know, sometimes in the New Testament it says greet each other with a holy kiss. That will definitely not be happening anytime in the near future, but I'm, I'm going to assume that we all know that that's in everyone's best interest. So things will look a little bit differently. We will clean the worship center and the church in between services. For the time being, we will not have preschool and children's ministry classes open. We will not have adult Bible study classes opened on Sunday mornings. We just want to make sure that in, in small enclosed areas that everyone is safe and healthy. And until we can get to a point where we feel comfortable about that, we're not going to do that. Worship services will be very family friendly. And if you are a parent and that, that bothers you or that freaks you out because you think about the wiggles and the distractions of kids or noises, or maybe the kids fall asleep and snore in the service, maybe you fall asleep during the sermon and snore. Uh, listen, I need you to know that for me and our staff, we are very comfortable with the noises and any distractions or any wiggles and movement in the room from the children. And our staff is actually excited that for the first time since we've existed, all generations will be worshiping together. And so we're thrilled about that. And so we want you to be comfortable about that. And we'll certainly keep you posted on when we feel it's safe and healthy for us to open back up the Grove and have on-site uh, adult and young professional adult uh, Bible studies. Uh, that's coming in the near future, but, but not right now. Uh, you've also noticed I'm, I'm wearing a, a, a scarf here. All of our staff will be wearing masks or some sort of facial covering like this. Uh, unless they're on the platform, we'll remove that so you can hear us clearly. But we're going we're gonna to take those precautions seriously. And for those of you who have said you just don't feel comfortable yet joining us, or maybe you're immunocompromised or have an underlying condition and your doctor or physician has encouraged you not to gather, we, we completely respect that. We want to honor that. That's why we have been planning and made uh, the implementation of certain resources so that we can stream both the 9 and 11 a.m. services live. Those won't be pre-recorded, but we're going to stream those via Facebook and YouTube so you won't miss anything. You won't miss the major messages on Sunday. You won't miss the songs that we sing. We want to make sure that you continue to worship that way with us. 
We want everyone, whether gathered here or scattered throughout our community, to take responsibility for your health care, and we're going to honor and respect that decision, and we're going to do everything we can for those that are in the building to abide by what the mayor's office and also what the Office of Faith and Community Initiatives has encouraged us to do as well. If you got any questions about any of that, you can email me, you can call me here at the church, you can reach out to any of our staff members if we can provide greater clarity about that, but we're looking forward to seeing you on July 5th. Now, with that being said, one of the things I'm sad about is that I will not get to pre-record the services from a different location in the church. Right now, as you can tell, I'm in our four and five-year-old Sunday morning classroom. And one of the reasons I'm here is because several weeks ago during the monotony of the COVID quarantine, I just started recording in a different place to maybe add a different wrinkle or keep us on our toes. And we even had a family in our church that when they gathered together in their living room to watch the service, their daughter even said to them, hey, that's my classroom in the background. And so we were, we were thrilled to hear that story of families worshiping together. And so one, one family in our church calls it, where is Pastor Aaron? Uh, they have shared with us that they sometimes log on to watch the service in the morning and they guess which room, which classroom, which hallway is he gonna be recording in. So I am certainly um, bummed that I won't be doing that anymore. But listen, as we've recorded in different places and you can see it on the wall and in the setup of the room behind me, just the, the time, the energy and the effort of our selfless and sacrificial women and men who serve to not only disciple children, but to disciple their peers, adults. We're grateful for all that our leadership is doing here at the church. The church is not a building, it's the people. And aren't we blessed that we not only have a facility and a building to worship in, but there are gifted and called and servant leaders in our church. Hear me again on behalf of a grateful pastor and grateful church staff, we could not do what we do without you. And we're grateful for you. Now, as I've filmed in different locations, and I've done a couple of those in my office, some of you have noticed and commented to me about the number of Ferris wheels that I have in my office. Now, the, the quick backstory on that is that several years ago, uh, I rode in 2010 on the London Eye. The London Eye, I have a picture of it in my office, is a huge Ferris wheel on the River Thames that's right there next to the House of Parliament. Uh, while I was on that, I was just mindful that at the top of the Ferris wheel, the vantage point is outstanding and the visibility is awesome and it feels good to be on top of the world. But as the wheel makes its way towards the bottom and everybody takes their turn on the wheel of life at the bottom sooner or later, it's not as fun, it's not as enjoyable, the sight lines aren't as great, you can't wait to get back to the top again. I think it's a great metaphor for life and so if I have a family who's brought a child to talk to me as the pastor in my office. I might use one of the play school Ferris wheels to talk to them about that word picture, but it's also meaningful for us. And one of my favorite, and I'm so incredibly grateful for this, some of you have seen this, and I'll show you this, is this Lego version of the Ferris wheel. And this is, I'm totally botching like the recording of this to show you my face, which is like all up in the camera and the Ferris wheel. But this is a Lego version of the Ferris wheel. And it is pretty impressive. It's even got a motor in it that goes forward and watch this. I don't know if you know this, but now guess what? This Ferris wheel can also go in reverse. So pretty cool, right? Um, this is one of the favorite things that I have in my office at the church. And one of the reasons that I want to show you that is because this was a gift to me by an extended family member of one of our members. Once they sat down in my office several years ago, saw all the Ferris wheels, um, this was a gift from them. And I have never forgotten that generosity. And also, I've continued to use this as that word picture of life is sometimes good and it's sometimes challenging. 
Um, but this gift uh, came in a box of thousands of pieces of Legos, thousands of pieces of Legos, as you might imagine. And it was a great opportunity for me and one of my sons to put this together. And in all honesty and full disclosure, he put more of it together than this old man did. So I wanna give credit where credit is due. Silas, good work. But one of the things that, that I noticed is on the front of the box for this Ferris wheel is a beautiful picture of what it looks like fully assembled. Um, however, as I stared at thousands of individual pieces, it was overwhelming. Sometimes it would be maddening to look at all of that and think how much time, how much effort, and how much focus is this thing gonna to take to put together? But what kept me moving forward, what kept me motivated and led to progress and flourishing, if you will, was that I kept looking back at that big picture. I kept looking back at the big picture on the front of the box and I knew that's where this is headed. And as long as I'm confident in that whole picture, it makes sense of all of the smaller parts, especially when everything looks so chaotic. One of the reasons I share that with you is I wanna illustrate the obvious. For many of us, there are small individual pieces of our life that don't make sense. They are chaotic and sometimes unstable. But when we look at the big picture that God holds all of it together and that in Christ, he is gonna work all of the pieces of our life and all of the pieces of our world to accomplish his purposes, which are intended for our benefit and our flourishing, that's what keeps us motivated. That's what keeps us moving forward. That's what keeps us one step at a time making this journey of faith. As we look at the individual pieces, it's overwhelming. But when we look at the big picture and know that God and Christ are in control, that's what keeps us going. And that's exactly what scripture says. I wanna read that to you from Colossians chapter one. In Colossians chapter one, let's read verses 15 through 20 together to show you exactly what I'm talking about. It says, he, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him, that's Jesus, in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. Verse 17, he, Jesus, is before all things and by him all things hold together. It's because of Jesus that all things hold together. Verse 18, he is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that he might have to come first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now let's pause right there in Colossians chapter one after reading verses 15 through 20 together. And the first thing that I want you to make note of that we've just read here is that everything that can be known about God has been revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. Have you ever asked the question, where is God? I don't know if you've asked that lately. Many of us have. Those of us who've been walking with Jesus for months and those of us who've been walking with Jesus for decades. As we've watched the unrest and the tension in our communities, as we've struggled to know who do, who do we trust about health information, about COVID-19 and the symptoms or the asymptomatic cases. Like it's hard to know what to do amidst all of the swirling 
information and all of the unknown? Have you asked yourself, where is God in the middle of all of this? Well, if you have, you wouldn't be alone. And one of the things that scripture tells us is that God can be known. We can know that he is near and that he is active in our world through nature. Romans chapter 1 tells us that God's created order displays that there is a divine creator. He can be known through nature. And obviously, God can be known to a certain extent, just like in nature, through people. Every person is created in the image of God, the Imago Dei. And we have characteristics that are indicative of how God is. So there are certain things we can know about him. But listen, God is so other than us. He is omniscient, all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He can be everywhere at once. And even those two thoughts make my head hurt because I can't do that and you can't do that. And God is infinite. There was no beginning to God. Think about that for a while. There's never been a time where God has not been. There will be no end to God. And in ways that we are not omniscient and we are not omnipresent and we are not infinite. Matter of fact, we're finite. Those create challenges for us to understand a God who is. So the God who made us and created us for the purpose of being in relationship with us. And that's what it means to be human. At the core of being human, it means that we were created for a relationship with God, our creator, and then with one another, mankind. That's his purpose for us. But because of sin and because of our differences that God is God and we're not, it's hard to understand how he works and who he is and where he is. So the Bible here tells us in Colossians 1.15 that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. That everything that can be known about God, his character, his nature, everything that can be known in our finite human minds has been revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. One of my favorite things about our preaching team meeting that I get to participate in usually every Monday with the other campus pastors and congregation pastors is that I get to interact with and listen to Eric Randolph. Eric Randolph is our pastor for our deaf congregation at Brentwood Baptist Church. They meet at our Brentwood campus. And I am mindful of how we talk about the text and how we will verbally communicate that. But to a congregation that doesn't have the ability to hear our deaf congregation, Eric will often share with us how he's going to sign in sign language the text so that someone who is deaf can hear it in their heart language. Eric is an interpreter. He makes sense of what someone may not be able to understand or make sense of on their own. Now, the reason I share that with you is because I learned so much from Eric and I'm grateful for his ministry and there are great things happening through our deaf congregation within our church family. But also it illustrates some of what we understand from this text about what Jesus does. Jesus helps communicate for us, helps reveal to us things about the Father that we would struggle to understand on our own. Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus, the Son of God, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God's nature. Everything that God wants to reveal to us about who he is, where he is, what he's up to in our world is revealed through the person of Jesus Christ. That is why it is so important for us to read scripture. Among many other reasons, when we read scripture, we understand God better as we see Jesus interact with others, his disciples and people in 
Judea and people in Jerusalem and in Galilee, we begin to learn about the character and the nature of who God is. And everything about God that can be known by us has been revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. And that is so important for us, not only to spend time in relationship with Jesus, but if you want to know who God is and what's going on and what his purposes and his plans are for your life, the representative that God has chosen to reveal himself to us is the person of Jesus Christ. And praise God that he's done that for us so that we can know him and be in relationship with him. The second thing I want you to know is that Jesus not only participated with God in creation, but that Jesus holds all things in creation together. One of the things we just read here is that Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. That's what verse 15 says. That doesn't mean that Jesus was the firstborn person. It's not talking about his natural birth. It literally means that Jesus is in relationship with God. He has always existed God did not think up or create Jesus at the moment of his birth, at the incarnation of Jesus in Bethlehem. Jesus has always existed with God, and he's the firstborn over all creation. That means he has all authority and all power. He has preexisted before me or you or any human ever did. That means he is superior. That means he is preeminent, that he's always been here that he not only is firstborn over all creation, but verse 16 says, everything has been created by Jesus. Jesus was instrumental in creation. That's why when the disciples were scared in that boat on the Sea of Galilee, when that sudden storm popped up, Jesus stood up in the boat and he spoke to the storm and said, peace be still. And the wind and the waves had no choice but to obey their creator because they recognized his voice from creation. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the creator with God. He not only created all things, but he holds all things together. The same power that Jesus demonstrated in creation is the same power that continues to hold the universe together. The idea here is our translation in the Holman or the Christian Standard Bible says that all things hold together in Christ. Your translation say, may say all things consist in Christ or all things cohere in him. And what that means is that he has the power to hold all things together, that all of creation and all of our lives have continuous stability and progress because of Jesus and his power to keep them functioning like they should. Here in this preschool and children's room, uh, I have seen not only Ferris wheels and posters on the wall, but there are colored pencils here in the room, and there is Play-Doh, and there are big old dot markers. Parents, how many of you love it when we bust those out on Sunday, and your children, my children, they come home with the ink, and it's washable, or at least that's what the, the, the supplier tells us, like all of these great resources that we have for preschool and children, but there's also glue here. There's also glue here, and this is what we use on Sunday morning, but sometimes at my house I may use this on some construction projects, small woodworking I've done. I've used Gorilla Glue. Gorilla Glue like forms a bond that cannot be broken. It holds all things together. It holds bricks to bricks, it holds wood to wood, and it is so hard to pull those things apart once they have been glued together. What scripture is saying that when the pieces of our lives and when the different individual experiences and historical moments of life seem um, hard to make sense of, even chaotic, 
that Jesus is the super glue that holds all of these things together. He holds us together. And remember, I mentioned that as long as we can see the big picture, that in Christ, God holds all things together. We can begin to make sense of the smaller pieces of our lives. That each individual piece is part of a much greater story. That's where the different chapters, the different years, the different decades of our life make more sense. The old cliche is that life is lived forward, but it's best understood looking backwards in reflection upon it. All of the different pieces, experiences, relationships that we have in our life, they all find their purpose in the great big picture that God has painted for us, and he holds all those things together in Christ Jesus. This means that Christ is supreme. He has the power and the ability not only to create, but to hold and sustain all things together. This would be the supremacy of Christ. He is supreme over all things. He has the power to hold all those things together. And when Christ comes into your life through your faith and belief in him, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the power to hold the universe in its proper orbit is alive in you. It doesn't mean that you and I are God. It doesn't mean that we have the power to hold all things together. But it means that we can call on the name of Jesus who has and is capable to do what we cannot. That's why it's important that we understand that Christ is not only sufficient for all things that we will experience, but he is supreme over all things. The answer to all of life's problems as elementary here in a children's classroom as it may seem the answer and the solution to all of the individual chapters of our lives and all of the individual questions and maybe even challenges and problems that we have is Jesus because he created all things and he holds all things together. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, who was writing to Christians in Colossae, even went on to say the reason that God sent Jesus is not only so that you and I in verse 15 will be able to understand a God that we cannot see, and not only so that we will be reminded that in Christ there's hope that maybe we can't hold all things together, but that God can hold things together, but also to demonstrate to us his desire to be an eternal relationship with us. The Apostle Paul even said in verse 19, let me reread that. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness, all of his deity, all of his divinity to dwell in Jesus. When Jesus came to earth and took on human flesh, he did not give up being God. The Bible tells us that through Jesus, verse 20, God chose to reconcile everything to himself. That through the finished work of Jesus on the cross, because he is perfect and he is God, he was able to lay down his perfect life in exchange for our sinful brokenness. So that on the cross, God could make available reconciliation. What Jesus does is he puts things back together as God has always intended for them to be. What God always wanted in the Garden of Eden was to create a people he could be in perfect relationship with. And even though sin exists in this world and it separates us from God, the finished work of Jesus on the cross at Calvary and by the power of his resurrection has made reconciliation with God possible. It's made it possible. It doesn't make it automatic but it makes it possible. So for those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, it makes being reconciled to God possible, not only in this life, but in the life to come. And that's why God was pleased to send Jesus. That was his purpose in sending Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself by making peace 
between us and God and then making peace with us and one another, humankind possible through his blood that was shed on the cross. Paul even went on to say, once you were alienated and hostile in your minds, expressed through your evil actions, he says this in verse 21, but now through our faith in Jesus, God has reconciled you by Jesus' physical body through his death to present you as holy, faultless, and blameless. Let's don't forget as we walk our way through Colossians that Jesus reveals to us everything that we need to know and answers all of the questions that we long to have answered about God. Jesus provides that for us. Jesus was not only instrumental in creation, but Jesus continues to hold all things together. If you're facing challenges or hardship, Jesus is the glue that holds it all together. Run to him and ask him to provide answers and clarity and to give you hope. That's where hope is. His name is Jesus. And finally, the reason that God sent Jesus was for the purpose of reconciling us not only to the Father, but then making it possible to be reconciled to one another. And although that's possible, it's not automatic. You and I have the ability to choose whether or not we want to be in relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. So let me give you about 60 seconds to think, reflect, and ponder on what it is that you might want to pray in response to this text. It may be to enter into a relationship with God through your faith in Jesus Christ. It may be to bring a concern or an individual issue in your life that's part of the greater picture to Jesus and ask him to help you with that. I'm praying that you will have the courage to respond to the gospel of Jesus, his good news, and the reality that God has redeemed us, he's restored us, and he holds all things together. Lord Jesus, give us the confidence and the courage to respond boldly and to trust you with our lives because you hold all things together. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.